This is it. This is real, well, close to real football, actual pads, backs on backers, the whole deal. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of the Penguins and the Pirates, the other two teams in town that I cover today. My attention, as well as my vehicle, are headed toward Latrobe. I am looking forward to being at St. Vincent College again, but in a very, very different context. I shared with you yesterday some of the observations I was able to put together from the last day without pads Sunday out at St. Vincent. And if you're like me, by the end of today, you'll have erased everything that you've learned to this point. Because that'll actually be the right thing to do. Without the pads, it's just not the same thing. There's not the physical contact. There's not the aggressiveness. There's not the evening of the playing field for the players who are really, really fast. And the ones who are really, really big. This does all of that. But there's also the machismo that comes with the backs on backers with the physical contact, the deliberate matchups that this head coach openly embraces, vocally embraces right in front of the combatants themselves. He lines them up for symbolic purposes. He lines them up for testing of physical strength purposes. He lines them up to see if maybe they'll cower a little bit. And all of that, much to Mike Tomlin's delight, begins today with the 1.55 p.m. practice on Chuck Knoll Field. And yet, count me as one who will be a lot more interested than anything else with the first set, the first real set, meaning with pads, of 11-on-11 that involves the Steelers' running game. Let's not pretend that 7-2, and two, that finish to the 2022 season, was built on anything other than the running game. Yes, there were other contributions. Kenny became steadier, wasn't throwing the ball around all over the place. T.J. Watt came back. Even though he wasn't all the way himself, he settled things down on that side of the ball. Minka stayed great. I'm not taking credit away from anybody else. But what set the tempo, and I mean this literally, considering the amount of time they'd consume, was the running game. And that absolutely must be this team's number one strength in the 2023 season. Everyone can wish for and hope for Kenny to blossom into one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. They can wish and hope for George Pickens. They can wish and hope for Pat Fryermuth. But this offense, and in turn, this team, because of the way it's structured, will go only as far as the running game takes it. And when I say the running game, I'm not just referring to Najee Harris. I'm not referring just to Najee and Jalen Warren or anybody else who gets involved in it. And by the way, Anthony McFarland, he's getting involved in it quite a bit, not necessarily from a running back standpoint, but he's out there on the field quite a bit. 
Connor Hayward's been on the field quite a bit, although his his positioning changes seemingly with every other snap. But he's also been in the backfield and carried. And don't forget that by season's end, the number three rusher on this offense is going to be Kenny himself, and he hasn't been shy about tucking and taking off in this camp either. But it's going to be everybody. It's got to be everybody. For those of you who might be new to football, I'm going to explain what an RPO is. It's run-pass option. The quarterback determines, basically on the spot, at the line of scrimmage, based on what he sees in surveying the defense, whether or not he's going to hand off or throw. Now, Kenny wasn't entrusted with a whole lot of RPO last season. That's already changed. That's changed in this camp whenever the Steelers have lined up for both 11-on-11 drills and for seven shots, which is a goal line drill. So it starts with, well, of course, it starts with the coordinator scheming things. We'll leave Matt Canada out of this for now. But from there, it's on the quarterback to make sure that he's utilizing the running game to its best effect. And by the way, you know who was really, really good at that for a very long time? Yeah, Kenny's predecessor, Ben Roethlisberger, had an excellent sense in addition to having a, enough humility to him to know that, hey, I don't have to throw for 500 yards every game. If I've got a guy back here who can take the rock and go with it for 150 yards, I'm not overthinking stuff. Kenny's probably got even more of that demeanor to him than Ben did. I'm saying that respectfully to Ben. That's not a shot. I just think that Kenny has more of that. He's not going to worry about his own numbers type of feel to him. And he's also going to appreciate that in his rookie year, he was able to get better as a quarterback, as a passer, because of the running game emerging and fortifying the offense, not the other way around. If you think of Ben's earliest years, yeah, he was relying on the run, including in his first Super Bowl. But by the time Ben made it back to his next Super Bowl, it was it was the Ben show, and it should have been. That's not a knock. With Kenny, he's in a good spot right now by thinking of this offense, as he does, by the way, as a run-first offense. That involves the quarterback, obviously. It involves the tight ends, obviously. Did you notice that I pluralized that? Yes, obviously, because you have already seen in this camp a ton of two tight end sets, including Zach Gentry, a blocker first, including Darnell Washington, a blocker first. And then there's that offensive line. Now, I'm not going to be one of those who habitually denigrates last year's O-line blindly, meaning I'll criticize it for what it didn't do well, but there's no taking away from what those guys did with the running game in the second half. And yes, that includes Dan Moore at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard. Both of those guys had slash have shortcomings. Run blocking really wasn't one of them, at least not consistently. This line has to lead the way. This running game as a whole has to lead the way. And that starts today. When we come back, J1Q... 
This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from DeMond, who asks, I wonder if Quan Alexander, DK, is going to be our third down guy. Well, let's start this dialogue somewhere else first. Let's take a look at all of who's available at inside linebacker. And I am purposely leaving Mark Robinson out only because the Steelers themselves are now leaving him out of these types of references. And point out that If you had any one of the three to put out there for all three downs, I don't think that's going to happen anyway, but it's a nice way to start framing this. I believe that Cole Holcomb would be that player. I believe that he would be number one, such as it is on this depth chart, even though the different ILBs will have different roles and assignments depending on the opponent, depending on the down, depending on the distance. I see Holcomb as number one. Now, from there, with the Landon Roberts, you have a guy that's principally a run stopper, a guy who's been pretty good at it, a guy who's already been, I should point out, physical in the portion of camp when you're really not supposed to be physical. And my guess is he's going to be doubly so, maybe triply so, if that's even a word, today with the pads on. But I see Roberts as being a guy that you have out there for first down, second down, uh, when it's pretty obvious that the other side's going to be running. With Alexander, you've got the fastest of the three. Nobody would dispute that. You've got a guy who's got the ability to cover. The guy's got the ability to trail a tight end if needed. And never, ever, ever to be omitted from this equation, the guy who's got the ability to go side to side to make sure that you're cutting off screen passes, something that Devin Bush was pretty good at. He wasn't pretty good at a lot of things, but he was pretty good at that. So to try to answer your actual question as to whether or not Alexander is a third down linebacker, he is, but this assembly, this trio of guys on the inside, they lend themselves a lot more to mix and match regardless because you're not going to be able to guess correctly. Uh, Not every offense is as predictable as, say, oh, the 2022 Steelers was through a 2-6 and start. You're going to have teams that that fool you, and you're going to want guys to be able to do different things. Now, That said, we just went through a season in which somebody in the defensive coaching staff all the way up to the head coach thought it was a really smart idea to have Robert Spillane out there almost religiously on third downs. Maybe they feared the draw play and they had Spillane there just spying the running back or spying the quarterback if it was a scrambling type, but it never, ever, ever, ever looked like it made sense. So all bets are off on this one, my friend. I am looking forward to being out there today. If you're out there today, make sure you wave, say hello to the guy in the light blue DK Pittsburgh sports t-shirt holding a melted coffee. 
for everyone else. Let's do this again tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.